Yeah. It's funny, you know, when I never know how many's in the church and you come in and we start and you turn around and think, where is everybody? And at the end of it, you turn around and think, oh, okay, they're all in here now. <laughs> well, some. <laughs> I'm sure you're all on time. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, God is so good. And uh, we've got plenty of time. I could preach for an hour and 10 minutes, be all right, and you won't be late for lunch. Because it's going to be ready at 12 and it's 10 to 11. So we've got, we'll have plenty of time to do what needs to be done and to pray for people if people want prayer. And this is our last service for the year, except for, oh yes, that's really sad, isn't it? And <laughs> except for the Christmas Eve service, of course, so I haven't forgotten about that. It's the last Sunday service until we've got two weeks, two Sundays off, haven't we? 9th of January, we'll be back on the 9th, okay? So next Sunday, there won't be a service because of Christmas and so close to Christmas. And then with the other close to New Year's Day. So all right? So you'll really miss us, won't you? Yes. <laughs> Stay close to God, though. Pardon? Oh, yes, courage. Yeah, you meet up with each other and have barbecue or whatever you want to do. Barbecue's good. You've got a barbecue. If you haven't, <laughs> cook a roast or I don't know, make a salad, have a bun. All right. <laughs> bun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So, yeah, all happy today. I'm happy. Yay. We should all be happy. Every day we should be happy. We should wake up, be filled with the joy of the Lord. Even when things, you know, things... Uh, look a mess around us at the minute. But um, I love that song, you know, Be Happy. You could, you could sing it, couldn't you? Or Matt, you might be singing it. <laughs> anyway, that's a good song. Do you know the song I'm thinking about, talking about? Don't worry, yeah. Oh, here we go. Woohoo. Oh, come on. It's a good song. Don't worry, be happy. Yeah, don't worry, be happy. That's true. You know, I think the devil wants us worried. He wants us unhappy. He wants us down. He wants us depressed. But don't worry, be happy. This is the day the Lord has made, and we will rejoice, and we will be glad in it. Not sad in it. We will be glad in it. We choose to be glad. You know, when Don passed away, I kept myself happy by telling myself, you know, that I refused to be sad. I wouldn't allow that sadness to overwhelm me and overtake you. Because it can. It can control your life for years if you let it. I used to know somebody in, um, when we lived in Pukirua Bay. She lost her husband. She never got over it. She was sad for the rest of her life. It's really... And it made me sad just to see this person. You know, she would never look at anybody. She was just so weighed down with sadness. It was terrible. So if you're sad today, 
loose it from your soul and say, I refuse to be sad any longer. I choose to be happy. I choose to be filled with the joy of the Lord. Amen? And it's nothing to do with what I'm preaching about, but that's a good ser- sermon on, on its own, okay? So shall that do? Will that do for today? <laughs> a good start. Okay, well, I want to carry on. We heard last week, Matt had a, did a really good um, sermon about, well, how did you name it? I just got to, I had wrote it down. The glorious church, then a glorious church, referring to us. Is that, did I get that right? The glorious church is a glorious church. So that makes it, brings it down to, you know, a, each single church makes up the glorious church. Is that how you saw it, Matt? Good. So I'm on the right track. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, actually, before I start, I should really say, I just want to thank everyone in this church for being part of this church and coming along and working. So many in this church, you know, um, work hard behind the scenes and... and uh, they're great. And all our ones out there in the cafe now waiting to serve us. You know, they work so hard out there and it's amazing. Those upstairs working up there and um, Hayley down there and the sound and everything. So there's so many in the, the team. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into trouble now because now I've started to mention people. I'm going to miss people out. But all of you are amazing. You all make up the church. And we love you, and we really appreciate each and every one of you. Absolutely. So I just wanted to say that being the last Sunday of the year, okay? Well, I think it's of the year. Is there another Sunday before New Year's Day? Yeah. Boxing Day. Oh, yes, Boxing Day. But we won't be here on Boxing Day, so anyway. Okay, so... Well, I wanted to continue on with what Matt shared about the glorious church, a and a glorious church. A God's plan, he, he talked about being, is, uh, is for each individual church. Absolutely. To become a glorious church, which then will become part of the glorious church worldwide. And um, Matt asked the question, what do you want this church to be? It's a good question, isn't it? What do you want it to be? One thing that really came out strongly from Pastor Maddie said, family, we're family. And I, I see this church as family. And I hope you do too. You know, this is our church family. We have our natural family, but we also have a church family. And we're supposed to love each other like you would love your own natural family. And of course, you know, in a, in all, a natural family, you, know, you have your moments and you have... You know, sometimes everything isn't just smooth. And then like in a church family, not always everything isn't smooth, is it? Because not everyone's like me, you see. <laughs> okay, no. No, yeah, no one's perfect like me, Amy said, no. Anyway, so I do, I am joking. Okay, it's okay, it's okay. Anyway. So I, want to, I just wanted to continue on further talking about the glorious church. And the word church was, was actually first used by Jesus in Matthew 16, 15 to 18, you know, where Jesus asked the disciples, he says, who do you say that I am? And so they were saying, oh, oh some say this and some say that. 
Then out of the midst of that, Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And that came directly from the Father. It came from the Spirit of God himself. And Jesus' response to Peter was this. He says, you are blessed because the Father has revealed this to you. It was revelation. It was revelation. And then he went on to say in Matthew 16, verse 18, he said, I also say to you that you are Peter, and that word was in the Greek was Petros. You are Peter, meaning the, a little rock, and on this rock, Petra, a large rock, a big rock of revelation, I will build my church. And, so, and he said, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And uh, he said, he talked about, I, I will build my church. And that was the word ecclesia, meaning the called out ones. And Jesus is continually building his church. We are the called out ones. Called out of what? We've been called out of darkness into his glorious light. You know, before we knew Christ, whether you knew it or not, you were in darkness. I'm talking about spiritual darkness. But the moment you said yes to Jesus, you were called out of darkness and you were called into his marvelous light. It says in 1 Peter 2.9, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous or glorious light. Isn't that good? So we've, we've a chosen generation. We have been chosen for this time. And uh, we've been chosen for one of the, some of the most glorious days ahead of us, which is going to be exciting. So the church is an assembling of believers of Jesus Christ in a particular locality. And those who have given their hearts to him and have been washed in the precious blood of Jesus Christ, born of his spirit, make up the church. We are the church. We choose to be chosen. When he says there, um, you are a chosen generation, a royal priest, a holy nation, his own special people. You know, chosen. We, he, we choose to be chosen. We put up our hands and say, Lord, I choose to be chosen. I give my heart to you. I choose to be chosen. And so this, the church is an assembling of believers of Jesus Christ in a particular locality. So the first church was birthed in Jerusalem, and then other churches began springing up in places like Ephesus, Philippi, Galatia, Colossae, Thessalonica, Thessalonica, I mean, Smyrna, Corinth, and so forth. And Christ is the head of the church. Not people, not man, not woman is not the head of the church. Jesus Christ, he is the head of every local church, or we should be. And he is the head of this church. He is, we, you know, he is the head of this church. And he deeply loves and cares for the church. It says in 1 Timothy 3, 5, he says, he commands his leaders to, he says, um, to take care of the church of God. It's a command. Take care. The leaders of the church, you take care of the church of God because he loves the church. He loves the church. He loves the body. He loves them to come in and, and, and local families, if you like. He loves the church. And he says, literally, you know, he says, take care of the church of God. It means to love the church, look after the church, watch over the church. And that's what leaders have to do. 
Pastor Matt, he shared last week how Jesus has appointed in the church the five-fold ministry gifts. Pastors, which is apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers. And they're here for the edifying or the building up of the saints for the work of the ministry. So everyone is in the ministry. If you didn't know it, I'm telling you now, you're all in the ministry. Absolutely. And so you, you're, some, you're ministering here, but we all go minister out there. We're all called to minister outside of these four walls. This is where we come to encourage each other. But out there is, when we, is where we minister. So the, as you know, the New Testament was originally written in Greek, and the Greek word for pastor is poimen, P-O-I-M-E-N, and it's the same word translated shepherd. So a shepherd looks after the flock, and it was more probably obvious back in Jesus' day. You know, that shepherd, they would look after the flock, they'd take them to find green pastures, they'd take them to water, and they would defend them and protect them. And so uh, that's the name of, for a shepherd. A shepherd looks after the flock, and they lead them to green pastures where they're fed and watered and are safe, fed the word of God, you know, taught different things so that you could go out of here and you could be powerful and you could be strong. And uh, the shepherd, the pastor as a shepherd, he protects the flock from wolves. And sometimes wolves come in. Jesus said, you know, wolves will come in with sheep's clothing. We've had a few wolves in the past. (laughs) I don't think any of you are wolves. (laughs) I haven't seen the fangs yet anyway. So anyway. So... In 1 Peter 5, 2, it says, Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers. And really, that's what it is, overseeing things. You know, Pastor Don, he used to say, the pastor is like the coach before the, in the locker room before the game. And he'd be, the coach would be challenging people and encouraging people and telling them, you know, get out there, you're going to be able to do it. You know, when you're on the field, you're going to win, you can win, you can win. And that's... That's really what a pastor does. You know, get out there and you're going to win. You know, you're going to be winners. You're going to do great. You're going to do well. So as far as church commitment goes, Jesus gave us a very good example to follow. It says, that, you know, the Bible talks about, it was, as was his custom, he entered the synagogue. It was his, day, his weekly thing to enter the synagogue. He would... He would regularly, not just, oh, well, I will today, oh, next, next week I won't, oh, I'll have a few weeks off, <laughs> even though we are shutting for two weeks. But um, it's only, yeah, because it's Boxing Day. You can't come here to church on Boxing Day, can you? You have to have church and church in your home. Yeah. We could... Luke 4, 16, it's here. It says, as was his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. He'd done this since he was eight days old. Remember when they brought him into the temple at eight days old? And, uh, he, and his parents, every day, every Sabbath, he would be in the synagogue. He would be in church. And it's a great habit to have. And Jesus knew how vital it was for believers to attend church regularly as a lifestyle make it your lifestyle you know so many just don't make it a lifestyle i remember when we started this church going back 35 years it wasn't even an option 
Sunday was Sunday. And it was great then because church, the malls weren't open, nothing was open except the dairies and the petrol station, I think. <laughs> Pat, that wasn't it? Dawn, do you remember? Yeah, yeah. That was good. So, I mean, Sunday was, we will be in church. We'll always be in church. But then, you know, the devil's not stupid. That's why he brings in Sunday trading. That will, that will then take people away. And then sports always used to be Saturday. And then they change it to Sunday. It's Satan's plan because he doesn't want people coming to church. He doesn't want kids coming to church. They're all tied up with sport on Sunday. You know, that's Satan's plan because he wants to keep people out of church because church is important. It's where we grow and where we, we rub shoulders. You know, it's really important. Thank you. <laughs> Alrighty. So, as I said, Jesus knows how vital it is for believers to attend church regularly as a lifestyle if we're going to fulfill our calling. So, you know, something they can get by without church, but that is not God's plan for us. We do need the local church. We need life-giving churches. I'm not saying boring churches who don't inspire you to do anything. You know, you need churches are going to, um, where you can just worship freely, where you can hear the word, or you could take something from the word and take it home and apply it to your life. That's what it should be about. Where you can rub shoulders with one another and spend time with one another. It, it's a family. We are a family. Okay? <laughs> it's very quiet in here. You, oh, yeah. That, oh, thank you, Haley. Haley from the back. Good one. All right. So we need each other. We need to strengthen each other. We need to cheer each other on, don't we? We need to encourage one another. And, you know, it, the Apostle Paul, he said, be followers of me as I am of Christ. You know, we should be able to say, be followers of me. You should be able to say, be followers of me as I am of Christ. You know, the word says, iron sharpens iron. When we come here, we should be sharpening one another and getting sharper in the things of, the, of God and in the things of the Spirit. So you remember the story in Luke when Jesus was 12 years old? His parents had been to Jerusalem. It was a special feast time. And, um, and then they left to go home. And they travelled a whole day's journey. And they suddenly thought, oh, where's Jesus? <laughs> you know, he wasn't their only son, but he, uh, Jesus. And then, of course, others came later. But they realised after a whole day's travel, where's Jesus? And so... Then they took another day to get back to Jerusalem. Then they spent three days searching Jerusalem for Jesus. And finally they found him in the temple. And he was listening and talking and discussing things with the, the leaders and the teachers there. And, um, and Jesus said, this is his answer, he's 12. He says, why did you seek me? <laughs> you know, why? You should have known. He says, do you not know that I must be, a, be about my father's business? How about that? Isn't that awesome? He's 12, a 12-year-old. I mean, I remember when Amy was little, she was, um, you'd have to knock her in the head for her not to come to church. She was always, weren't you? And you missed out some on great sporting opportunities at, uh, at one stage, but no, church was first, so she missed out. But that was her choice. That was her choice. So we... We need to be like Jesus. 
you know, why, where am I on Sunday? Well, where do you think I am? Where would I be? <laughs> where would I be? Where are you? Where were you last Sunday? Where were you last Sunday? <laughs> you know, which should be our habit. It becomes a habit that we come to church, encourage one another, hear the word of God, worship together. If you need prayer, you'll get prayed for. You know, we should be so expectant I'm going to, if you're not well, I'm going to come to church and I'm going to get healed. And, uh, you know, that's, we've had so many healings in this church and miracles. But if, if, if our faith is not there for it, it won't happen. We've got to expect it. If you expect miracles, you'll see miracles. If you expect healing, you'll see healing. But if you don't expect it, oh, well, maybe, you know, no, we'll just see. If you just think, I'll just see, you won't see. We need faith. We have to apply faith to everything. We come to church by faith, expecting we're going to, to, to uh, God's going to be here for us. His presence will be here. We're going to worship him. The angels are going to fill up this place. And miracles and healings are going to be freely flowing because we've come by faith. You need to come by faith to church. Not, oh, well, I've got to come to church today. Don't be like that. Say, Lord, I'm coming to receive today. I'm going to get something today. Because I believe you'll be, you're going to... Ma- See, it's something great about the body coming together and the Spirit of God manifesting. It's just a special thing where he loves to show up when a group of people are together with one heart and one mind. He'll show up big time. But let's expect it. If we just... He'll look to see, is anyone expecting anything? Oh, no, they're not. They're just here because it's Sunday. <laughs> It's true. This is so true. Oh, this is not even my message. <laughs> this is not my message. <laughs> but it's so true, because I think the Holy Spirit wants us to know this. If we come in here not expecting anything, guess what? You won't get anything. You might get something nice to eat after. But God wants you to be filled spiritually. He wants you to have met him when you're praising him. He wants you to hear this word and get it in your heart so it can change your life. When you leave here, you're going to be so filled with God that, you know, you're looking for the devil to deal with him, you know? Not trying to run from him, but you, you want to face up to him. So, well, devil, what are you up to? Get out of here, you know? Get out. <laughs> yeah, you've got to be like that to the devil. He's not nice. He doesn't play fair at all. He never plays fair. So I don't even know where I am now, but that doesn't really matter, does it? So we've got to be passionate. It says in Hebrews, don't think I've read this, if I have, just yell out, 24 and 25, let us consider one another or care for one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. So, you know, it's funny that God put that in there because he knew there would be times when people will forsake the assembling of themselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. I see the day approaching. So, so much more we need to be in the house of God, exhorting one another, encouraging one another, say, we're going to win. We're entering in the greatest days we've ever, God's ever uh, manifest on this earth. Amen. But come on, guys, we need to have faith about this. We need to believe it and allow God to move and, and allow him to, to work. So Jesus is absolutely passionate about his church. 
The church is not old hat in him. It's not old hat, it's not past, you know, at all. He's fiercely opposed to Satan and his tactics to bring division, lukewarmness, strife, murmuring, apathy, discouragement. He he's, he's, hates that. But he loves the church intensely today as he did when he hung on that cross and shed his blood over 2,000 years ago. He, you and I make up the church. We are the church. Church is not a building. We have a building, which I'm thankful for. But the building is not church. It's the people. You are the church. And the building is not a denomination. It's people. In Psalm 68, 6, he said, he, he sets the solitary in families. He brings out those who are found into prosperity. Isn't that nice? He sets the solitary in families. You know, so even if you, you didn't have any family in the natural, you can come to church and God will set you in the church, in the church family. He brings out those who are found into prosperity. He brings out those who are found into prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. So don't ever envy those who, who you think, oh, well, they, you know, they can do this and that and whatever. But if they're not part of the church, they're in a dry land. That's how God sees it. They're in a dry land. And we're, we're not in a dry land. We need to be excited about church. We need to be excited about God. How about being excited about Jesus? Amen? We love him. We, we love him. We love that he died for the church, the body of Christ. He died for us. He died for the lost. We need to be bringing them in, don't we? Okay. So Jesus places people in a church so they can be united and become one with his family so that we're no longer solitary. And there's grave danger in being a solitary Christian. Grave danger. It says in 1 Peter 5.8 in the New Living Translation, be careful. Watch out for attacks from the devil, your great enemy. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for some victim to devour. And that's so true. He, wants to he would love to destroy all of us if he could. But he says, be careful, watch, watch, watch out for him. And if we're together, there's safety in numbers. You know, a lion, pick, like a, a lion will pick the one that's solitary. If there's a herd, they're watching for that one to, you know, maybe it's a young zebra or whatever, and they just sort of get, you know, they get away from the mum, they get separate. That's what they're looking for. Or the one is a bit unwell, so it's lagging behind. Or maybe one was just eating too much grass and the herd has moved on. <laughs> Next minute, it's there alone. That's a target. It's a target for the lion. And Satan's looking for who he can target. If we're alone, we're a good target. If we're separated from the body of Christ, we're a good target for him. And he can come and, and cause harm. So... And that's, that's exactly how Satan hunts Christians, just the same way a lion will hunt a zebra. He will pick off those that are separate, those that are offended, those are, oh, they said that to me, or oh, nobody talked to me today. 
don't let offense get hold of you because I tell you what, that just sort of like a bing, the devil, it's like a light for the devil. Oh, good, here's one, I can pick that one off. He's seeking whom he may devour. He wants us out, out of here, absolutely. So we, we need to be careful. Okay. So remember the Church of Jesus Christ has one family rule. Okay, this is the rule, family. Love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. In John thirteen thirty four, That's our one rule. Isn't that good? Is that too hard? Can you remember that one rule? Yeah? This is yes, this is no. <laughs> yes. Love one another as I have loved you. Wow, that's unconditionally, isn't it? No conditions. He loved us when we were not very nice. Isn't that right? And then you got born again and he started to change you. You were born, you have brand new spirit on the inside. And now your trouble is you've got to renew your mind. So you've got a brand new spirit alive to God and, uh, and close to God. But this mind, and the Bible says renew your mind through the word of God. You've got to renew your mind, your, part of your soul. You have to renew it. Otherwise, if you don't renew it to the word of God, to how God says, now this is how you are. Love endures long and is patient and kind. It talks about how, what, how love acts. Love is not touchy, fretful or resentful. Love pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Try that one. That's hard. No one, love does not pay attention to a suffered wrong. That, that's a good one. That's a hard one. How many, I mean, we all have suffered wrong. Have you suffered, how many have, have you suffered wrong? Put your hand up if you've suffered wrong in your life. Yep. There you are, most of you. We, I would say we all have. One way or another, we have all suffered wrong. Nothing, wasn't even our fault. Things done to us, not our fault. Said to us, not our fault. We've suffered wrongs. But see, if we have the love of God on the inside of us and our mind has been renewed to the word, we know how love should act. Say, your flesh wants to react. And it wants to get bitter and torn up. But your spirit is saying, let it go. Let it go. Don't let it hurt you. Don't let the enemy use that against you and say, Father, I choose to let that go. I choose to forgive. That's a hard one. I choose to forgive. <laughs> <laughs> I choose to <laughs> forgive. <laughs> and you know what? You'll feel so good. And God will sort them out. You know, they will have to pay the penalty for whatever they've done. But don't ask God to to do, you know, you don't have to ask God for that. Uh, justice will be done. Justice will be served. Absolutely. Okay? Is that good? Good. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. That's great. Okay, so let's just go on here. See, I'm just jumping all, I'm just skipping notes here. <laughs> um, okay. Done that. 
all right, our one rule, love one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. That's our rule. That's our family rule, okay? Love each other. Don't be touchy. Don't be fretful. Don't be worried because I didn't smile at you this morning because I'm sure if I saw you, I would have smiled. I can't help it. It's a family trait on my mum's side. <laughs> I don't know whether all my kids have got it. Has <laughs> Amy got it? Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. My mum, she was like that. She'd, she'd always be smiling. And then I just, just was the same. I think my sister's the same too, actually, isn't she? She'd be the same, probably, smiling all the time. And Don, I'll just tell you a thing about Don. He and Amy were sitting in the car. And, uh, and Don says, that, you watch. Just watch me, mum, because I had just gone to get something and I was walking down the you watch. You'll be smiling. So they're there. They'll be looking like this. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I thought, okay, I could tell something was up because I just can't help it. I just come out and I'm just smiling, you know. <laughs> she says, look, Amy, you watch. You'll be smiling. So they're sitting in the car going at me. Anyway, but it's better than frowning, isn't it? It's better than looking glum. And People need to be cheered up. I'm just... I don't believe in wearing a mask. I, never, I will not wear a mask down the street. Certain shops, I, I'm exempt. I don't have to wear one, but sometimes, in, like in New World, I might put it on because people are so fearful, you know, the sort of thing, you know, keeping away from you. But down the street, I would never wear one. But I smile at people because they're so fearful. They really are, and I, they need to be free of that. It's all, it's all right. God's got this whole thing. He's going to flip it all over. Put it on the devil's head, for sure. Okay, so we've got to love Jesus. Actually, it says in 1 John 5.18, it says, I don't know, I'm just missing so much here. I hope it's, hope it's not, doesn't matter. Okay, all righty. I want to read the scripture, 2 Thessalonians 1.3. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as is fitting. Because your faith grows exceedingly. Wow, isn't that great? And the love of every one of you all abounds towards each other. Wouldn't that be amazing if that was said about us? You know, we thank God always for, for you, because, as is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly. And the love of every one of you abounds towards each other. Wouldn't that be amazing? Somebody came in and, you know, the Apostle Paul came here and he wrote a letter to us saying that. So, you know, that's, that's an example of the glorious church. That is an, a very example of the, the glorious church where faith is growing exceedingly and, and love is just abounding in that place. In 1 John 5, 18, it says, We know that whosoever is born of God does not sin, but he who is born of God... Now, that means sin habitually. We will slip up, but we don't purposefully go out and sin. Well, we shouldn't. If you're a believer... You know, you shouldn't go out on purpose to sin. Do you get that? Yeah. So, and we do slip up. And if we, if we miss it, we say, Lord, just forgive me. Thank you. And the just, blood just washes us and keeps us clean. Because you uh, wait a minute. We know that what, whoever is born of, where did we get up to? Did I do 2 Thessalonians 1, 3? See, this is the trouble when you don't stick to your notes. Okay. 1 John 5.18. We know that whosoever is born of God does not sin, but he who is born of God 
keeps himself or guards himself in this new divine love and the wicked one does not touch him. So he cannot touch us. If we'll keep ourselves in love, Satan can't touch us. Keep flowing in that love. It says, you know, if we love Jesus, we'll love what he loves and we'll be passionate about what he is passionate about. In Ephesians 5, 25 to 27, it's all right, lunch is not for another half hour. Husbands, <laughs> just in case you're getting hungry and thinking, I oh, wish you'd hurry up and want to get out and sit at the table. No, you can't yet. Got a whole half hour yet. <laughs> Husbands, love you. I'm not talking for another half hour, so it's okay. Just relax. Okay. Husbands, love your wives. Any of you husbands here, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. But he's now talking about the love of it in the church, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she should be holy and without blemish. That's how God sees the church, a glorious church, not having any spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that we should be holy and without blemish. Isn't that good? So Christ loves the church. He loves the church and he gave himself for the church. Jesus is passionate about building a glorious church and we are entering into an amazing time where God is going to pour out his glory on the church and on the nations. You know, the glory, glorious, it talks, means it's the weightiness of God's presence. Part of it. So it's his splendor. It also means gorgeous, honorable, being clothed with God's presence. You know, there's going to be miracles and healings and abundance and joy and peace, all these amazing things. So does this mean we have to be a perfect church? Well, no. But what is expected of us is that we grow day by day in perfection. We should be different in the next year than we are today. We should have grown. We need to apply the word to our lives. We should have grown. You should be able to love more next year than you did this year. If you'll apply the word to you. Amen? You should be able to love more. So we've got to grow by day by day. We don't go out willfully sinning. We choose not to. Day by day we grow in the things of God. Day by day we learn to overcome our weaknesses and our failings. And we learn to be who God has made us to be. He's made you to be awesome. He's made you to be powerful. He's got a powerful calling on each and every one of you. He wants you to do great things in the earth today. And you're going to. If you're going to say, Lord, use me, he will. I dare you to say, Lord, use me. And he'll use you. Be open to how he wants to use you. Absolutely. You know, your spirit is the real you. You're already perfect on the inside. You know, when you got born again, you're, you're given a, you're a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. Brand new. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. So you're new on the inside. Your spirit, man, if you're said yes to Jesus Christ, your spirit has been made new. But we've still got the flesh to deal with. And that's where we've got to renew our minds because the mind is so strong. We need to fill our mind with, how does God want me to react in this situation? What does God want me to say? And that gives you the power and the ability to overcome every temptation that the devil will bring your way. 
So, you know, our spirit is so keen to please God. Your spirit man is. You've just got to get your head in tune with your spirit. So I've just got to give a few points here in, in closing. Um, how, to, how, how to be this glorious church. Number one, be faithful to where God has planted you. Be faithful in coming to services. Every service you can be at, get to. <laughs> get to the church. And allow God's spirit and his anointing to, to get on you and to change you and the word to transform you and build you up so you're strong. Number two, renew your minds with the word of God and act on the word that you hear. Don't be doers of the word, hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. If you're just going to hear the word and just go away, forget it, well, that's not going to do anything for you. But you need to be hearers of the word and doers of the word. Absolutely. It says, Romans 12, 2, it says, do not be conformed to this world. Do not be squeezed into this world's mold. The world out there wants to squeeze you into a mold that Satan wants you to look like. But do not, the Bible says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind through the word of God. Allow the word of God to change you. And we, we become what we give our attention to. You know, if you're, you're into sport and you give your attention to sport, you become a better sports person. If you give your attention to God and regularly attend church and study the word and act on the word and re pray and re um, worship God, then you're going to become more and more like Jesus. Absolutely. You'll be more like him. You'll love what he loves and you'll hate what he hates. Number three, we become the glorious church through prayer, through study of the word, through worship and fellowship with God and with one another and by serving in the church. And number four, by making praise and thanksgiving a lifestyle. Be willing to thank God for things. Just, you might say, well, I haven't got much in my life thanking, to thank God for. Well, find something you can thank him for. There'll be something you can thank him for. Every day, just think of things to thank God for. And number five, where you are planted matters. God created places before he created people. He created the earth before he put man there. He created the Garden Eden before he created man, before he placed them there. It says in 1 Corinthians 12, 18, in the message version, it says, as it is, we see that God has carefully placed each part of the body right where he wanted it. So God will place you where he wants you. But um, is that how it usually works? Doesn't, does it? That's how it should work. Because we hear God and God says, look, I want you to plant yourself here. So people plant themselves for a little while and they think, oh, well, had enough now. Oh, I didn't like what they said this Sunday, so I'm leaving church now. It happens. Silly, but that's never, nevertheless, that's people are fleshy. That's just being a flesh-driven person. You know, the people tire of things so easy, don't they? But, um, I mean, Dawn and I and, and Lisa and Amy, we were here from the beginning, eh, Dawn? Here in the 80s. We're still here. We probably had a chance to be offended a few times. Actually, many times. <laughs> many times, I'll tell you what. 
but we're still here. We're still here, eh? Hey, we had to grow up. We did. Yeah, we, we rubbed each other's <laughs> sharp points off. Yeah. But you know, but we planted ourselves. God never said go somewhere else. He could have when we got it. You know, it's not been always easy. But um, we reigned where God planted us. And sadly, people, I don't know, they just don't think like that anymore. But you need to choose a life-giving church which will pe- preach the word without compromise. You don't want compromise. Okay, you want a church that will allow you, you know, time f- to pray for people. Isn't that right? So we just, we're, that's what we try and do here. We try and we give time to pray for people and worship. Without, if the Spirit of God turns up, we just do what he wants us to do. I mean, isn't that what we want? I want the Spirit of God to have his way in the church. Okay, God says, I change not. And the word of God is forever settled in heaven. It doesn't change. How we do our services will change, but there's always an unchangeability and stability about God and his word, always. And in many cases, people are are divinely connected in a church so they can accomplish uh, something significant for God. We are divinely connected. That's so true. We're divinely connected. You know, Pastor Don, he once said this, much of our destiny lies in others. In other words, you say in the church, if you remove yourself, and it's not God's will, you're like you're removing yourself from part of your destiny. You know, we remove ourselves from key people God has connected us with. And we remove ourselves from part of our destiny when we do that. But part of our destiny lies in being involved in our local church. That's part of our destiny. And, you know, and that, can, that can go beyond these four walls totally. And I'm going to finish there, although it's only 25 to 12 and it's not lunchtime yet. <laughs> but I will just finish with this. You know... You remember the story of Naomi and Ruth? Naomi, had, her husband had left Israel and had gone to the um, land of Moab. And then uh, a tragedy struck her home, that home there. Naomi's husband died. And then <clears throat> the two sons, they had married Moabite women. The two sons died. And so Naomi wanted to go back to Israel. And she said to her, her two daughters-in-law, Ruth and... What was the other one? Orpah? Orpah, yeah. She said to them, I'm going, please stay here in your land. This is your home and stay here. And they said, no, 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 we want to come with you. And she kept possessing, no, you can't come with me. And Orpah decided she would stay in her land. But Ruth wouldn't. She, it said she cried and she clung to Naomi. And she said this, entreat me not to leave you or turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything, but death parts you and me. Wow, that's amazing, isn't it? See, Ruth's destiny lay in her staying connected to Naomi. So your destiny could be staying connected here for some reason. And... 
And with people in here, you might be somewhere here, there's a, a purpose for it. But she just, Ruth's destiny, it lay in being faithful to Naomi and, and going with Naomi. And the amazing thing is, because of this connection, she met Boaz, and she gave birth to a son called Obed. And Obed had a, Obed had a son called Jesse, and Jesse had a son called David. And through this line... Ruth became the great-grandmother of King David and the great-great-grandmother of Solomon right through the lineage all the way to the birth of Jesus Christ. So Ruth's destiny lay in her staying connected to Naomi. So you never know who God has planned for you to be connected with. So these are the days of God's glorious church and we need to take the necessary steps to be a part of these most amazing days ever. Okay, Father, I just thank you, Lord, for your word this morning. I pray, Father God, that each person here will fulfill their destiny, Father God. They will be connected to the people you want them connected to, Father God. So each and every one here, Father, will fulfill that which you've called them to do. So, Father, I thank you for your blessing upon each and every one. And I'm just going to pray... I want us to pray a prayer. So there may be somebody here who maybe you've never actually given your heart to Jesus Christ. You know, I was in a church for years. I was raised up in a denominational church. I would have thought I was born again, but actually I was never even told about what it was to be born again. And it wasn't until years later that I thought, man, I'm not even born again. And I thought I had been, just because I had been involved in the church. But there may be somebody here like that, that for some reason, you know, you've been a, a good person, you, you, you've been perhaps part of a church family, I don't know. But, um, but maybe you've never personally made a decision for Jesus Christ yourself, that he died for you personally. He died on the cross for you so that you could have eternal life. And whoever receives him receives eternal life and become part of a family of God and assured of a place in heaven. So I just want you to pray this after me. We'll all do it. And I know most you're, I know most of you are born again, but maybe you, there's one or two here that aren't. So let's pray this. Father God, I thank you for sending Jesus Christ to die for me. I thank you, Jesus, that you took my sin on yourself and on the cross. You died for me that I could have everlasting life. Jesus, today, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for eternal life. I choose this day to serve you with all my heart, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, if you've never prayed a prayer like that before, let us know because, you know, you, you've just got born again. 